Hello again, and welcome to the second installment of the Metric Minute, brought to you by Volt Performance. I'm Kareem Durkawi, and in this episode, we'll discuss braking impulse, a key component of the eccentric phase. Simply put, it represents how much eccentric work is done from the instant a person starts applying the brakes to the lowest point of their squat, as seen in the photo to the left. Impulse can be thought of as the area under the curve, or in other words, the square footage of work completed. Braking impulse tells us two very important factors about the eccentric phase. The first is how much force is generated leading up to the isometric point. A larger braking impulse will increase the force at the isometric point, therefore giving a better start for the concentric phase. Power production and jump performance are directly correlated to concentric impulse, but we'll discuss that in a future episode. The second point to make about braking impulse is related to asymmetry analysis. By examining this aspect, we can see which side does more work to decelerate the body during preparation for a jump. This clearly has huge implications in injury risk reduction and throughout the rehab process. Landing phase results should also be compared with similarities to this kind of metric. The take home message is that braking impulse sets the stage for the concentric phase and can give a great idea of loading preference asymmetry. Force decks can also make relative comparisons based on body weight. So we can compare between athletes, position groups, or before and after training and rehab interventions. For more information on this and other force plate testing concepts, please feel free to reach out to us at vol.com, the email listed, or any social media platform. Thank you. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some awesome practitioners who are always trying to evolve and continue to grow professionally throughout their career. The problem with many of us, though, is finding a new outlet, a new way, and a new perspective on the questions that we may have, whether it be programming, whether it be situational with dealing with coaches, or whether it be career advice. Because all too often what happens is we get stuck in with the same group of friends and the same group of colleagues that we reach out to for advice repeatedly over and over again. But what we should really be looking for is different perspectives, different people who have been through different situations who can help us make better decisions both for ourselves and our athletes. And one awesome place to start with that is the forums in the Strength Coach Network. In the forums in the Strength Coach Network, you'll be able to reach out and get feedback, input, and advice from coaches from all over the world from everything from career advice to training modalities to programming, there's people there just for the same reason as you are, to try to get better, to learn, to share information, and to grow the field of strength and conditioning. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps to dive into all that great content today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody? This is Molly Benetti coming at you with another My Thoughts Monday live from Columbia, South Carolina. And today I want to talk to you about autonomy and human behavior and creating a learning environment for our athletes. This, for me, stems back to my very first year as a strength and conditioning coach. I was 23 years old. I had just gotten hired at Purdue University. I had no real idea what I was doing. Let's be honest, none of us really have any idea what we're doing our first year. But I had the privilege to learn from and works, work with Josh Bonital. And at the time he was our, the men's basketball performance coach. And Josh probably has no idea that this has had as big of an impact on me as it has. But he said something in one of our staff in services when he was talking about his athlete development process, his coaching philosophy, and he referred to it as a partnership not a dictatorship. And at the time, I remember not fully understanding what that meant. 
I definitely did not understand the importance or the significance of it. But each year in my career, I it has become or rang more true. It continues to show itself as more contrary to what we are taught as coaches. Because when we start out, we are taught that we're the experts. We're taught that we know what's best. And it's true, we are. We are experts on human performance. We are experts on physical preparation. We're taught that we need to be in control at all times. We need to run the room. We should be demanding and disciplined. And that's true. All of those aspects ring true. However, what we're not experts on is human behavior. And let's be real. That is at the heart of what we do every single day. We work with people. And when I think about what we want most as coaches, I think we can all agree to some aspect that we want our athletes to be intrinsically motivated. We want them to change behaviors that's going to positively impact their uh, development as an athlete or just them as a person. We want to, we want them to have ownership and take initiative in their process and in their careers. And I think a lot of our frustrations stem from those things. We are quick to tab athletes as lazy or unmotivated or undisciplined. Um, we are you know, quick to say that they just don't work hard or, and they're not invested in the process. But sometimes we fail to remember that the population that we work with is not wired to think about or to think like we do. They are not wired to care about the same things that we do. And they are literally physiologically not wired to be logical, rational, disciplined humans. Their frontal cortex is not fully developed. So while we may be able to make decisions and be ruled by logic and rationality, they are wired to make decisions off of emotion. To They are wired to seek dopamine at all costs. They're heavily influenced by social factors and wanting to fit in. And so inherently, they don't care about the same things that we care about in the way that we care about them. Our athletes do not come to play a sport for the weightlifting experience. I look at my athletes. My, my athletes are elite-level basketball players. They do not come to the University of South Carolina to lift weights. And I think we can all agree 99% of our athletes don't inherently love the weight room. We all have those unicorns that love to lift and, uh, you know, they come to school already loving the weight room. That's just not the reality of it, especially for my athletes. And I think about their day. They are told where to be, what to do, uh, how to act. They're taught they need to be someplace at a certain time. Every, almost every hour of their day is accounted for or is controlled in some manner. And so when I look at the weight room, my initial thought is, okay, inherently they, this is someplace that they don't want to be. So I want to make this an environment that they want to be a part of. I want this to be an environment where they have power, where they feel seen and heard, where they have the space to think for themselves, to have a say in, in what they're doing. And this goes back to just human behavior. We all have fundamental psychological needs. 
Autonomy is one of them. Competence is another. Uh, relatedness and connection is another. And so when we talk about really changing behavior, what type of environment are we creating? What type of coaching style do we have? What is the language that we use? What's our instructional method? Are we autonomy supportive or are we controlling? And when I say autonomy supportive, what I mean by that is that we're giving athletes choice within a structure, of course. We are acknowledging their thoughts and their feelings. We are um, really relinquishing our control and avoiding having overt control. We're removing ego from the equation. Um, we are providing meaningful rationale for what we're doing. And what I mean by that simply is that we are connecting with our athletes and what they care about. And I think that's the hardest part is this relinquishing of control. Because it's really easy to write a program. It's really easy to um, instruct in a way where we, we make the program. We are telling our athletes what to do, how to do it, and then they just do it. And we get results from that. Don't get me wrong. But when we talk about maximizing our results and when we talk about uh, creating learning that sticks, for all of you people that really need some science in this, look at the research. Increased autonomy helps increase motor learning, which we all love. We want our athletes to learn and we want them to be able to move well and we want that movement to stick. Uh, increased autonomy increases motivation. I mean, this is simply, this is a self-determination theory. We want intrinsically motivated athletes. When we give them the, the, or we fulfill the needs of competence, autonomy, and relatedness, our athletes perform better. They want to be a part of whatever it is that we're doing. So I want to provide some examples of how I try to implement this in my environment. And it really starts from day one when an athlete walks in the door. I don't assume that I know all the answers. When I meet with our athletes one-on-one, -on -one, it is literally me driving the conversation with questions because I wanna know about their experience. What do they like? What have they done in the past that they really like? What do they feel like helps them the most? What don't they like? What has their experience been like training? Where do they want to go in their career? I'm lucky, I work with some elite level athletes that wanna be pros. Some of them don't want to be pros. Some of them have other aspirations. I want to know my athletes the best way that I can so I can connect with them the best way that I can. And that's the day one, first part of this process. It's examples of this are simple as exercise selection. I have an athlete that absolutely hates the trap bar. Why am I going to make her do the trap bar? You might walk into our weight room and see uh, us squatting, and you might see seven different variations of squatting. Some of those decisions are made off of physical needs and biomechanical needs, but also a lot of those decisions are made off of athlete preference. Because when you involve the athlete in the process and you give them the opportunity to choose, they're gonna go harder. They're going to actually care about what they're doing and the results that you get are exponentially better than when you're just trying to fit an athlete into a box and have them do something that you're simply just telling them to do because you think it's best for them. Um, I let athletes choose workouts 
the entire workout. I give them options, A, B, or C. How are you feeling? These are some options that we have. How can we change things based on how they're feeling and what they wanna do that day? I let them create blocks within a workout. For instance, on Thursday, uh, you know, we have block A, we have block B, and then block C, they get to create for themselves. I call it free play. And it's awesome. You give athletes the freedom to choose what they want to, and you will be amazed and surprised at what they come up with. Um, other ways that I do this, in warm-ups, I'll give them constraints. You've got to go from point A to point B six different times. Every time has got to be different. You choose how you go. You choose your exercises. Pick your mobility exercises. Pick which crawl or lunge or whatever variation that you want to. I'll do the same thing with repetition without repetition. We're doing a med ball throw. You have eight reps. Every rep's got to be different. You choose. Same thing with plyos. We've got X amount of reps. Every rep's got to look different. Every land has got to look different. You choose. Go. Um, another example of this is in conditioning. I don't, people are always amazed to hear this. I don't condition my athletes as part of our program. But what I do try to do is create or cultivate a, a culture where they take ownership of their conditioning because they understand and feel the importance of it for them. And I give them a choice of what they, what they do based on what they feel helps them best. Now, this is not saying I just disregard the physiology and you know energy system and game demands and what they need. We work within structure, but they have a say in it. And what we've done is create a culture where athletes are doing conditioning on their own. And I've got to give a shout, shout out to Adam Fletcher for this idea. And he does it better than I think anyone that I know of creating that type of culture of accountability and ownership. But we only have a certain amount of time. And so when it comes to conditioning, our athletes are on the court a lot. I let them get their conditioning through playing their sport, but any supplemental conditioning that we need, it's athlete driven. And the results that we've gotten are incredible because of that. So to wrap this up, this is really just food for thought. What type of environment are you creating for your athletes? Are you promoting uh, an environment where athletes are learning to think for themselves? They get to make decisions. They get to have a say. Are you controlling the room at all times and simply just telling athletes what to do and how to do it? Are you providing them the space to be seen and to be heard? Are you acknowledging thoughts and feelings? Are you connecting to your athletes in a way that is most meaningful and impactful in regards to helping influence them? And I'm not just talking about athletically, but influencing them as people. Because for me, when my athletes leave my care, if they can't think for themselves, if they don't understand the training process and how it relates to them personally, if they don't understand how to train, why we're doing what we're doing, if they can't learn how to make decisions on their own, I feel like I've failed as a leader because again, getting the physical results is the easy part. We can make our athletes better by simply telling them what to do. But I want my athletes to develop in a way that is holistic. 
I want them to leave my care understanding the process and connect with the process in a way that is meaningful to them. And I found the best way to do that is by involving them. Stop thinking that we have all the answers. We don't know them the way that they know themselves. Even if they're younger than us, even if they're less mature than us, when we seek to understand, we can then connect with and create an environment that they want to be a part of because it matters to them. So think about it, try it. If you've never given an athlete a choice, try it. It is fun, it is impactful, it leaves a mark on them. And I think you'll be, be surprised to find that it's gonna leave a mark on you as well. Hope you guys learned something. Have a great day, crush your week, and we'll talk to you soon.